0: We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present.
1: Hello, yummy, yummy Mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pearce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums mums-to-be and women in general. And gents,
0: feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen.
1: Now we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here Here we we go. go. Hello Jade. Hello Sophie and all the bumpies listening. How are you this week? I thought you were going to say welcome. Why? Welcome to the Camping Fails Club. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Camping Diaries. Okay, if anyone has not seen Sophie's Weekend, please Sophie, fill us in. Yeah, so last
0: week we were planning on going camping Thursday, Friday night. Super excited. You know, we'd said here how busy Nick and I had been and how the girls, well, the older two, Pearl can't speak, had kind of (laughs) verbalized that they were craving us time. And we were thinking, what's more together? What's more bonding and cup filling than a wholesome weekend away camping? And unfortunately, towards the end of last week, Pearl started to get a bit sick. So we decided on Thursday, look, we won't go down tonight. We'll go Friday night and try and extend it for the Saturday night. And we called up on the Friday and they said, look, we're fully booked Saturday night. And we thought we're only going two hours away. Let's just go for the one night. And I was like, I'm craving, you know, when your kids get sick and you get to that point where you're like, I need to be out yeah. of this house. I need to not be looking at these four walls anymore. I need to not be looking at that washing pile. Fuck it. Let's just go. Even if it's just for one night and like two hours. That's fine." So, of course, we head off. The night before we left, there was the most epic lightning storm. So we were like, oh, thank goodness we weren't there tonight. Like, that's behind us. Let's go. And we went and it was just this comedy of errors that it just got to the point where Nick and I, we were only there for 24 hours, but it really did feel like we were gone for quite a long time. Nick just—Nick and I just looked at one another and laughed. We got halfway down there and realised I'd forgotten to pack the doona and towels. Um, I'd packed the doona cover and I was like, you know what? It's so warm where we live. The doona cover will be fine. Of course, no, we got this uncharacteristically freezing cold night. I thought of you as I was lying there huddled in my tracksuit. For anyone who missed last week's intro, I am normally a naked sleeper and I feel I hate sleeping in clothes. <laughs> but Nick and I were both in hoodies, in tracksuit pants. I hate spooning, but I had to spoon because I was just like, you know when you're just stiff as a board all night, just <laughs> trying to retain the heat. We thought Pearl was better. She was not. She sounded like she had like a black lung or something overnight. She had nuclear green snot. I was—I stopped counting how many times I got up to tend to her over the night. Poppy got out of her sleeping bag and into our bed and was like, "Mummy, I'm cold," and like she felt like she was trying to get back <laughs> into the wet? womb. She wasn't wet, and anyway, the whole first day that we were there, it poured. We ended up just being like kids playing your iPads. Yes. We were like, oh yeah, they're real great outdoors. It poured, it blew an absolute gale. Like it was just thing after thing. It was so funny. Pearl woke up the next morning and had so many midge bites all over her head that we for a second thought she might have chicken pox. And the girls were just in this mood. And I think it was because it was raining and we were trying to be kind of like, just get outdoors. You know, doesn't fever. matter. Didn't pack any rain jackets, gum boots, anything like that. I mean, there's no other way to say it. They were just plain annoying. They yeah. were just being so annoying. And I, not often do I find my kids as annoying as I found them for this 24 hours. <laughs> they just, Nick and I said, it was like on the drive down, they whispered to one another, hey.
1: Let's let's have a up.
0: competition of who can whinge the most in the next twenty four hours. Poppy won by a country mile, and they had to be touching us. We we actually went with another couple who had they only have one baby who's the same age as Pearl, and you could see them looking at us just like just a lot of hands all over you guys. Like Poppy, at one point sat so far back in my lap that. Her ponytail was Mm, just in my mm. mouth. And I was like, it's one thing to want to hug. It's one thing to want to sit on my lap. But do you have to be inside me? Mm. Like, just give me a second. And they would only want to be held by whoever it was less convenient to hold them. So, whoever was carrying like a whole bunch of shit towards the barbecue, they were the one who had to carry them, or the one that already had Pearl in the carrier. And then I don't want, like, I don't want to put anyone off because I think camping is one of those things and I feel like you would agree that when it goes well, it is so
1: freaking good. Oh, yeah. Like,
0: it is so good. It's the best family time. You feel energized, you're outdoors. But when it's bad, it's truly terrible. Mm. And I think that Pearl, she's nine, almost ten months now. She's just at a very challenging age where she's so, she doesn't even really crawl on hands and knees. She commandos everywhere, so that when would have been great camping. Yes. Yeah, it's like, and we were on this kind of like gravelly type <laughs> plot, and so unless she was literally in her camp chair eating or in the carrier or asleep, there was just nowhere for her to be. be. So anyway, we kind of it was like nothing serious happened though. So it was it was all funny. But we'd been gone for 24 hours and we drove home and the next day it was blue skies and so we went to the beach and we were kind of like, why did we leave again, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, And I'm lying there in bed, in my, in my comfy bed, itching my midge bites thinking, did we really need that for 24 but hours? do you know what
1: it teaches you? It teaches you that you appreciate your four <laughs> walls that you didn't appreciate because now you really truly appreciate them. And if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about when we talk about the camping fails... I went camping and I remembered my doona. I remembered the kitchen sink, but my husband, he forgot the fucking tent poles. So what we did was we also had a thunderstorm, probably one of the worst that came through the Northern rivers. And he put up a gazebo with a little, like, uh, what was it? It was the tarp. He put a tarp around two of the sides, not four. And we tried to sleep in a thunderstorm. (laughs)
0: Well, I will say we had this whiz-bang tent that you actually inflate. It doesn't even have tent poles. <gasps> so I was going to say to Jane, this would be perfect for your family because you don't need tent poles. But then I thought, oh, they'd probably forget the pump. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, so anyway, say. I came back and I was like, the one thing I was trying to avoid was the laundry, which has now the laundry pile has now doubled in size because we went camping and it was wet. <laughs> so anyway, we're home. But you didn't have towels. So I mean, there's not that much yeah. to, when you forget the doona and you forget the yeah. towels, there's really not that much to um, wash in the end. So anyway, it's all funny. It's all fun. We've been laughing ever since. We will try again later. I think we will be a bit more across the yeah. packing list yeah. and we might wait 18 months or so till Pearl is walking which means we'll just be chasing
1: after her but at least she's up off the ground yes. now that's a good How's idea. your week been oh mate it's just like when it <laughs> rains it pours hey I have I'm pretty sure I have a UTI and before everyone's like oh uh, you've had heaps of sex like good idea. no I haven't I actually haven't and I don't know where it's come from well no, I don't know where it's come from, but I I have one and I've been feeling really lousy all weekend, but I'm going to see a doctor today because we go to Fiji on Wednesday it is now it's going to come out tomorrow so it's Tuesday you guys are going to be sitting there going oh poor you, get a yeah you know what with my luck I'd probably go to Fiji with a UTI go to my kidneys I get an infection I have to go to a fucking hospital and everyone's pissed off because we have to go home early which reminds me I've got to get insurance anyway <laughs> so this is this is just my standard life I haven't packed my bag and About to do two recordings (laughs) of just... I have booked in for a wax, though. So anyway, I mean, Priorities. wax that, Yeah, like you, 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 bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your
0: your vulva I'm will like be vulva. bold as a badger, but you won't let <laughs> Harry go anywhere near you because oh, you're no going to have a rip roaring bladder infection. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, I'm actually struggling to muster up the sympathy for you going <laughs> and recovering in yeah. Fiji. It's be a hard but time. Um, yeah, that is any mum yeah. hacks or Rudolph no this week. Okay, no, we've got no hacks. We've, we've got, got no fucking hacks. hacks. We're out of hacks.
1: Now this week I have something to say and I want I want advice I want the Facebook group to go wild whether or not Ooh, you are currently you ask for advice I know it's not for me though oh, it is okay. for my <laughs> sister-in-law now we've had her on a few years ago about being a single mom it, she's been a single mum for quite some time mm. this weekend she decided to open up a dating app Cool. Now, first time first time ever. Wow. And when I say first time ever, first time ever. I was next to her as a wingman and I was quite excited because I was kind of like. Yeah, because you're the annoying married friend. Yeah, the, the one stupid every bitch single that is always hates. like, yeah. oh, yeah, you're happily married, boo-hoo. Anyway, I was getting excited because I was never in the era of these apps. Like mm. I wasn't around then. I'm mm. old school MySpace. So mm. I was like, okay, let's get this up and running. She's like, what, photo? Mm. And I, like I'm getting butterflies for her going, this is this is it. The bio line I think could be the hardest. Oh, Totally. And look, she started with Bumble. Now, Mm. if anyone knows about dating apps, we don't know. Tinder, I'm assuming, is pretty much if you want to have sex and that's it. No, I think it's a bit more well-rounded nowadays. There you go. I don't know much, but we started on Bumble. Bumble ended up being quite disappointing, but I have never laughed so hard in my life. There were men aging and raging from... I can't even tell you. She was like, no, no one before my brother. We've got to go to this level. And I was like, okay, we've sorted this out. Someone, in terms of age. In terms of age, I want to make something clear. Why do men find having a fish in their photo, <laughs> having a waterfall behind them, or having sunnies on, like a full-on surface sunnies, Like, that's going to catch a new woman. Did you just describe my husband? Did you you come (laughs) across Nick's peers on there? It was pretty much Nick. And I don't understand why they think that is going to draw someone Mm. in. But there was a man with long, long hair, longer than Rapunzel, and he was flicking his hair back in his photo in front of a waterfall. Mm. I can't tell you what... Like men Do you remember that one
0: time that someone stole Nick's identity? Yes. And it wasn't his name. It was and everyone's gonna be like, Oh yeah, that's just his yeah, cause yeah. he was actually on a dating app. But he was like, military, single dad, like <laughs> something else. And they picked all these pictures of him with a baby
1: carrier on. That is so not cool, but cool. But I I said to Harry, I got into bed that night, and I cuz Greta the whole time, she was like, Oh, for fuck's sake. She goes, this is ridiculous. I'm never gonna find anyone. And she's mm. like, and this is my last resort. Is this how we meet people now? And I'm like, I'm not sure, but I'm kinda, I'm kinda jealous. And she's like, what are you jealous about? I've got an idea. What? Why don't we get
0: all of the, our bumpies yes. to send in pictures of their like hot single cousin yes. or their like hot oh, single mate yes. or whatever? Let's yes. fuck off the dating apps. Yes. We need B T B style
1: in the Facebook group or anywhere or through our DMs. do DM us. Send it with a pigeon, whatever you now want. Now I'm excited for this because I said to my husband last night, he's been away all weekend for having the fucking time of his life, so. I said to him, Hey babe. And he's like reading his book. And I'm like, can I, can I go on a dating app? Like just to see if I'm like capable of still being it. And he's like, no, Jade. I'm like, I just want to know if I'm like, I've still got it. And he's like, no, Jade. I'm like, but you've got to understand. I've only had four boyfriends my whole life. Mm. This is, he's like, no Jade mm. you can be the wingman for Greta and you mm. can leave it at that mm. so this now this gives us an insight if you, everyone's going to come in and start pouring their cousins their hot in-laws mm-hmm. whoever you've got into our dms an uncle I'm even like I, I think greta would go
0: well with an older man
1: oh i said the same thing yeah. i'm like an older man is what she needs he's going to be fabulous a little bit of money wouldn't go L- a little bit of money <laughs> she hasn't been to paris she hasn't been overseas she'd like a little bit of a trip um, if we're going to get she likes a little bit of
0: muscle would she rather someone who has their own children she doesn't mind she's, she's not gonna picky going to
1: kill us for she, this. No, she's not she's going to she's not picky in that in that regard She's very shy, though. She was like, She's shy. No, I know. Isn't that funny? No, she's overwhelmed by the whole thing. Yeah. So I think the dating apps are overwhelming. Mm. So we're just going to give Greta her own portable personal dating app, and it's going to go straight into our DMs, and we're going to decipher which ones to give to her and mm. see how we go. Mm. I'm so excited. So this am is I. great. We should probably get into today's yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's
0: get into it. Let's get into it today. I love this episode. This is great. Um, I say that every week, but I absolutely <laughs> loved listening back to this one. And we're very aware that we have covered a lot of different mm. episodes that maybe haven't related to like new babies or pregnancy, really. So we are back in the postpartum phase with this one. We chatted to the beautiful Claire Andrews. She is a, let me say this right, maternal child health nurse and midwife. We chat all about the four-month dip and the eight-month drop. Now, this is something I hadn't heard about before, but I feel like I've experienced both of these Stages it's kind three of like, time. It's kind
1: of like the bend and snap, but <laughs> absolutely nothing like it. <laughs> terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I
0: just I just think this is really interesting. If you're in that postpartum phase and you've been feeling some lulls, or Ooh. even if you're pregnant and you kind of want to get a bit ahead of yeah. the game, I just think this is really interesting. We just chat about some areas of those newborn postpartum phases that still aren't spoken about much. And I
1: just loved this chat. And also heaps of tips that we wish we knew when we had kids because I think we learn a lot post having kids and we're like oh my gosh if I could go back there if I could turn back time okay it's time to turn her microphone off
0: enjoy hello Claire and welcome to beyond the bump podcast before we get started can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm
2: thrilled to be on and chatting to you guys. So my name is Claire. I have a bit of a few hats that I wear. So I am the founder of Hands Early Parenting, which offers guidance and resources for people both making the transition into parenthood and also those who are in the thick of it of early parenting. And then I work as a maternal child health nurse as well. So I do that two days a week for my local council. And as part of my work with Safe Hands, I have my own podcast. So it's called The Moment and it just covers one moment in a person's life that has shaped not only the way that they view the world, but how they parent within it. And you're a mom of And I'm a mom of two. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you do have a lot of hats. You're wearing a, a lot, lot of hats. hats. I have a lot of hats. So I've got a uh, an almost two year old and an almost four year old. And they're both beautiful girls, which you guys know girl life very well. And yeah, we I do. Just, just love it. Love it all. Very,
0: very lucky to do what I do. We're so excited to chat today. I think you're our first, um, we need to say this right, maternal child health nurse that we've ever chatted to. Congratulations. Welcome. Thank you so much. Basically, when we made this decision to talk, we were like, you know, obviously with podcasts and social media nowadays, we'd speak a lot more about the unexpected. And I do feel like people are a little bit more informed when they're coming into parenthood. But we thought, surely there's things that come up all the time for you that people haven't expected. And we were like, what are those things in that kind of newborn phase, the start of mum life, the start of parent life that maybe don't get the platform that they Mm. deserve? So do you want to get us started? Like, what do you think are (laughs) really common things that come up? And then we can kind of delve into each one. And I guess our own experiences with them as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And just to touch on what you said really quickly, I think that there is so much in the experience of parenthood that can really be glossed over. And there's this real kind of idea that you just get on with it, especially in the first few months after you have a baby. And really, it's so focused on that child, really, that a lot of your own experiences and the way that you navigate life through motherhood can really kind of be put to the side. So I think having a conversation, just it's not necessarily about finding a fix for some of these things. It's just acknowledging that some of these things can crop up and it's in talking about these these different elements where you can feel a little bit less alone. So definitely the one that comes to mind and the one that it's only through working as a maternal child health nurse that I've gone, oh, wow, this wasn't just me that mm. felt like this is that four month mark. 100%. And I, like, I've termed it through my stuff, the four month dip, but it's that real. I would have people coming into clinic and they would say to me, I don't feel depressed, but I don't feel like myself and I just feel flat. And it was just this going, okay this wasn't
0: just me because I felt exactly the same way. Did you guys this three Mm -hmm, times? mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's something about the adrenaline's worn off. You're still, you know, obviously if you loved your baby straight away, that love is still there, but you can feel that that oxytocin is not flowing how it once was. Sometimes like a bit of that support isn't there anymore. I don't know. I felt especially when I had Pearl, I was like, oh, I'm still not pairing my older two the way I would like to, but this can't just like keep going. You kind of feel between two worlds. You're no longer in the bubble, but you're also just like,
1: oh, do I just go back to life as it was now? And don't you think it's kind of like that time where you go, I can't wake up every three hours anymore. Like there's, this is the time where I need to change something. Otherwise I'm not going to function. It's like, you can kind of get through those first three months and still it's incredibly challenging, but there's that four month mark when the baby starts changing and you just start going, Oh, I can't do this. This is, this is too much. And if you've had a chilled baby, like I've been really lucky to have pretty chilled babies
0: they all of a sudden don't just like feed they not chill anymore sleep feed sleep you know (laughs) fall asleep while you're holding them fall asleep while they're on the boob whatever so why you're not asleep anymore what's going on (laughs) well that's exactly right
2: and when you were talking about just this all of a sudden feels a lot harder and you've been doing this for quite a long time the relentlessness of life. And the fact that this isn't getting any better anytime soon kind of sets in. And I really think that there is an element in the first two months, especially the women that I speak to, it's really prevalent in the first two months. They're like, oh no, like I'm waking up every two to three hours, but it's fine. Like we're getting through, it's working for us at the moment. Cause I always come back to, is this currently working mm. for you? And they always go, yeah, no, it's fine. Like I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the skin to skin and the contact and." the ability and the space to form this connection in this bond with this new baby. And then all of a sudden it's like the Teflon wears away and goes, <laughs> oh, okay. This, this just keeps going. <laughs> this just keeps on going. And speaking about like the village kind of disappears. Like we have a really strong village. We do it really well. I think for the first month, maybe if some people are lucky two months and then it's like the shine of the new baby wears off. And this is where I come back to where as a society, we're very baby centered, which is beautiful, Mm. but it stops us from really going, what does this mum need in this moment? What do these parents as a unit need in this moment? And a lot of that, that disappears at around about the three to four month mark as well. So it's, it's hard. Right. And I really come back to the conversations that I'm having with people at four months and especially for first time mums, like it's hard. Like we've both, we've all been there multiple times now, but thinking back to that first time when you become a mum and you kind of are navigating these different relationships that you have with the key people around you, not just your partner, but your family and the dynamics that kind of exist around that. And you having a new baby in your life, it all changes. Thinking about that, a lot of people come to me and they go, I just don't have my village yet. Like I can't find my village. And I think we have a lot of pressure on ourselves to find that village really early on. Do you guys feel like it's something that's
1: like really evolved for you over years rather than months? Oh, 100%. I feel like I've only got my village now we have the podcast. But (laughs) I feel like I didn't have babies when my friends were having babies. So it was a very isolating time in terms of friendships with kids, except my family when I was only there for six months of my first child's life, I had very hands on mum, dad, grandparents, everyone wanted to be a part of it. And I agree. I think that also it's other friendships that people
0: don't speak about a lot, especially if you are... I guess it's hard if all your friends have kids because obviously they're busy with their kids as well. Mm -hmm. But also I do feel like it's around that mark that you start to realise just how vastly different your life is to your friends' lives who don't have kids. Mm -hmm. And I felt like my friends who didn't yet have kids, of course they're there when the newborn's there and they come and hold the baby. And then all of a sudden it's kind of
1: like, well, we've done that. Like mm. we've done the baby holding <laughs> thing a bit. But going back to the four month mark, you know how like in the first three months, whatever, usually me, for example, I could let people in the house. You know, it wasn't a a, a biggish deal because the child sleeps and it's kind of like, yeah, we can have a conversation. I take her out with me. It's all good. The four months, it's like, I can't sleep. We need to start doing something different. You're not Mm. sleeping properly. We all need to work something out. And then I remember like people coming into the house and the anxiety. I was like, if someone breathes or thumps, especially my husband, down the hallway, (laughs) I'm gonna like, I'm gonna explode because I'm trying to get this sorted and it would happen. And all of a
0: sudden, you're timing naps and yeah. you're looking and you at wake stressed. windows and you're, yeah. And
1: you're just like, what am I doing? Is this it? Is this the rest of my life now? Because it's. Four, it's four months old. She's four months <laughs> old. They're four months this old. This thing is four months old. I think that's what a really it? important point. And I think
2: that like definitely one thing that comes to mind is that the mental load of parenting a four month old is far like, harder than parenting. You're going to It <laughs> is. It is. It's so much. It's so much more. Right? There are so many more things to think about. Like what you said, so awake windows. And all of a sudden there is this expectation that, sleep is something that you should be getting on top of or you should be doing things about. And you have this weight of expectation on you, I think, at four months as opposed to those newborn days when people give themselves a lot of leeway when they're just starting out. Yeah. But that leeway really like
0: falls away by about the three to four-month That's height. so true. I really found it around that four-month mark that people started Asking questions about Pearl's sleep, and Mm. they do the whole, is she a good baby? Mm. Or yeah, there is this, you know, and whether that's me projecting or them actually meaning it, you do all of a sudden feel like there's these undertones of like, yeah, like time to be getting life on track, you know, like
1: they're not this newborn blob anymore. And not even asking questions about the baby. It's almost kind of like, oh, well, you've had your time for three months, surely you've got it all sorted out. So now we can just ask normal questions about things and you're like hang on I'm drowning more than I did when I just had gave birth I need some help here but you don't feel comfortable doing it because you should in quotations kind of know what you're doing if you've had the baby for four months do you think part of
0: it like is coining it the fourth trimester is that doing us a disservice Mm. or a good thing because I think it's so amazing that we, I guess, is that's three months, isn't it? It's not even four months. But anyway, it's a, yeah, around, it's that, around time. that
2: time,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think it's so great that we're putting more emphasis on it and we're investing in it and we're researching how we can do it better and all of that kind of thing. But I do think then in us, we go, oh, we've tipped over that 12 week mark. Now it's just control. now and the future. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, we're we're out of that now. Yeah. I think
2: that I think that wholly the idea and the premise of the fourth fourth trimester is a really positive one because historically and really the reason why I got into the work that I do with safe hands is because there is not enough emphasis placed on that transition into parenthood. Becoming a parent is the most monumental transition you will ever make in your life. And I will fight that until the death. If anyone wants to argue with me, then like best of luck <laughs> Don't, to you don't come at like... Sophie, come at her. <laughs> come at Claire. And at the end of the day, this is why we, we all do what we do, because this is a really important aspect of life that historically it's been all about the pregnancy. It's been all about the birth. And then it's kind of like, all right, you're good to go. So, Having the fourth trimester is definitely a positive thing because it reframes people's minds as like, okay, there are elements, especially like with with babies, there are elements of their health and well-being where we go, they do mimic their intrauterine life far more than what we would expect of a baby kind of after that three-month mark. For example, a conversation I'm always having with families in clinic is the fact that we when babies are born, we kind of expect them to adapt to breast milk and or formula and just kind of get onto it and it's fine or good. But their gastrointestinal system, meaning their stomach and their intestines, actually take a lot longer to mature, to actually be truly ready for life outside of the womb. And so what we're looking at is the first around about three to four months of really lots of burping, lots of wind pain, lots of throwing up, lots of hiccups. And that's very typical. If we were waiting for their GI system to be ready for life outside and the outside world then you would be pregnant until about 60 weeks which is like I was about to say what you're saying that no you're saying we should be pregnant for for a year (laughs) imagine being pregnant for a year no 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 we're not campaigning for that I'm saying that that would be absolute hell it's never going to happen but (laughs) as a result we have to really shift our expectations of what newborn behavior is like as well so I think the fourth trimester has done really positive things to kind of shift our mindset and go no there are needs for babies, especially in that first three months of life where we can't expect them to do what older babies are doing.
1: It's so different with humans Yes, because I look at the cows, they (laughs) give birth on the farm and in like 30 seconds, the calves are standing up, drinking milk, walking around, Are we're the only species that take a very, very long time in terms of nurturing and developing. Is that right?
2: Yeah, much longer, much longer. And that's because our brains are far more complex as well.
1: Than a cow. Than a cow. Okay, good Good to know. And
2: my husband grew up on a farm as well. And so he grew up all around sheep being born and it's like they just give birth and just it's ten minutes. Did he later. think that's what
1: was gonna happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 Well
2: practically. I mean he did he did help. <laughs> he's like Claire, come on, get your shit together. <laughs> get over it, you're being dramatic. <laughs> he did help catch our second daughter in the uh, in my driveway. Oh, good so on him. hey um he's no nah, he's worth his salt. But it's <laughs> the fourth trimester does do good things to shift our expectations of babies, but it hasn't we've still got a way to go to shift our expectations of ourselves and Mm. the pressure that we put on ourselves. And I think as a society in general, we like adding timelines to things. Mm. And when we don't meet those expectations or things take a little bit longer, like for example, another conversation that I have around this four month mark is around stretch marks. And it's around the fact that a woman doesn't feel like her body is back to where it should be or where she wants it to be. And so we kind of put these timeline expectations of, oh, well, by this point, I will be feeling like this. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't really do us much help because everyone's different. Everyone recovers differently. And at the end of the day, it leaves a lot of women feeling really disillusioned by what their bodies have done, when really, in actual fact, They've done a bloody amazing job at growing mm. and nurturing a baby for up to
0: nine months. I will admit I remember that feeling around the four-month mark after my first. And I remember when I first had her and you'd touch it. And it's not its not just soft. Like it's got that almost Mimpy. jelly-like... Hollowness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can describe it. Like it's quite... Different feeling. Can you say that again? Um, and I remember when I first had her, you think, oh, this is amazing. But then I do remember at four months being like, oh, it's like still soft. Mm not that I was expecting any kind of firmness, but it is that all of a
1: sudden, oh, like I haven't just had her, but it is still soft. And do you think that is like society, you get that three month little buffer zone where they're like, oh, the baby, it's fresh. It's baby, baby, baby. And then it's kind of like four months. Oh, no one's really focusing much on the baby. Oh, hang on. Now they're looking at me. Oh, should I be worrying about what I look like? Is this the time where I should be, you know, losing weight Mm. because I'm breastfeeding or Mm. how come I'm gaining weight because I'm breastfeeding. Absolutely. And I think
2: that we really do set ourselves up for a lot of failure when we talk about the six week rule. I mean, Mm. I don't know how you guys experienced this, but as a midwife who worked in tertiary hospital for quite a while, that conversation being had about, oh, well, it takes six weeks, you need a GP check at six weeks of age, and they check over you and check over baby, and your stitches should be healed by then. You should, quote, unquote, be back to, like, pre-pregnancy, exercise whatever. And like, and you can resume, and- resume exercise and resume sex and all that sort of stuff. While a woman is being stitched up, about 20 minutes after she's given birth. Like when we actually talk about that and we go, that's kind of fucked (laughs) because we're really starting the timer then, aren't we? Yeah. And this monumental thing event has occurred and a woman has her baby in her arms and she's literally being fed this information of, oh, well, you've got six weeks. And by the time that you walk into that appointment and she will start visualizing what that GP appointment looks like, Mm by that appointment, you should feel like X. And it's just not fair. And it's not realistic at all, at all. And that whole trope of, oh, well, you're breastfeeding. So the weight's going to fall right off you. is
0: just
2: so ridiculous.
0: (laughs) Can we talk to that? Because Mm. Jade and I had the polar opposite, I guess, experiences Mm. in this. And, you know, the more I know women who have had babies, the more I've realized, like, it's, I feel like it's 50-50 in terms Mm -hmm. of which way you go. Like I, yeah, I lost a lot of weight when I was breastfeeding and Jade, you felt like you retained weight. I just
1: retained it. I actually lost weight when I was pregnant and then as soon as I started breastfeeding, I just put on weight. And I don't think we had this like back then, which was... I don't know how long ago, had this conversation about gaining weight while Mm. breastfeeding because it was only seen as you lose weight when you breastfeed. Not that that was my focus. Mm. It was the only bit of knowledge that I knew out there about breastfeeding. Mm. And it doesn't
2: take much to plant that little seed of doubt of like why, why isn't this me? Why isn't this happening for me? Or why is my body responding this way? And to really dive deep into that whole philosophy is that like Really, with breastfeeding, you have a much higher level of a hormone called prolactin. And prolactin actually in high levels within the body can add to, or like basically you retain weight, or a lot of people will retain weight when their prolactin levels are high. And so that is the reason why a lot of people don't experience that huge shedding of weight. And other people, like, so for myself, like it sounds like we did and that's fine but that's absolutely not the story for everyone and then we think about what does our lifestyle look like and those in those initial few months after you give birth you're less active you're generally eating foods which are quite high in carbs because you are hungry all the damn time <laughs> all the time when you're 24/7 feeding. yeah yeah 24/7 and it's just it's these little bits and pieces that kind of really feed into this broader issue where of course you're going to retain weight you're also drinking a hell of a lot more than what
0: you ever have and which which liquid <laughs> yeah exactly I know I know which we could <laughs> no, no no we're talking about water we're talking water, about water. But you'd much it's rather like, it be no, something I'm else kidding.
2: anyway but it's there's so many different factors which feed into and kind of explain of course not many people are going to experience that huge weight loss, but it does. And stretch marks are really, really a big one that I speak to women about as well, because they really can have that purpley red deep appearance at around about that three to four month mark as well, which can really feed into, oh yeah, my body done this amazing thing, but I actually don't feel very good about myself at the moment. Yeah. So it's almost like you're gaslighting yourself.
0: Yeah, what's your take on, we've been speaking about this a a lot recently, that it's so amazing that we are moving towards, you know, promoting body love and body acceptance. But sometimes you do just feel like my body has been through a huge change. I'm allowed to be confronted by this because you're almost made to feel, oh, no, 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 But Be proud, be proud. Look at what it's produced. And I was actually having this chat to someone the other day and she was kind of struggling with body confidence and she's like, sometimes I just look at my husband and it's like he's also got these two amazing children and nothing about his body has had to change. Mm. And she goes, I'm of course I'm proud of what my body's done and everyone goes yeah but look at the two children you got
1: from it but she's like yeah but my husband also got those children you know? (laughs) I changed my tampon literally 20 minutes ago and as I changed it I was like fuck women are amazing like we not only give birth and all everything that we go through Mm. but here we are with periods after deciding we don't want to have any more children every single month dealing with all the hormones all the headaches all the pain and i do i i look this is not a hey we hate men episode but it's kind of just like we hear that oh women got all this because we're stronger mm. i think a man said that <laughs> um, but yeah i, I feel like, like, like let me be feel weak. <laughs> take it away and let me be- Sit there and you're just like, why is it it's me? All of it's me. And you know what? I actually had
2: this moment in the car with my husband. This is probably going back a couple of months ago now. And pulling I pulling out your tampons I, <laughs> exactly. And he was quite confronted, but also he was like, oh, standard, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he, I turned to him and it's like out of the blue, as like I'm very good at just bringing up random things at random times. Love it. But I turned to him and I was like, you are never going to know what it's like to have to give your body to someone else. And he was like, what? And I was like, <laughs> you are literally, there is not a single minute of a single day in your entire life where you're going to have to consider sharing your body with someone else. And it was like, like I've done this work for a long time, right? And I've been a midwife light for ball. almost like eight years, been a nurse for longer. And I've been having these conversations for a while, but it was almost like this light bulb moment of going you are never going to know what that's like to experience giving your body and being responsible for another human being. And when we sit back and like go, oh, okay, that is, that's how uneven the playing field is here.
0: Mm.
2: And when we think about the four month mark, if you're breastfeeding or if you in any element, you've breastfed your baby, you haven't had your body to, to yourself for over no. a year now. Like mm, not a single not lot. a single part. Every day has gone towards keeping another baby either inside you or alive on the outside of you. And the mental load that comes from that is massive. And it's only when and this is just one element of it. It's
0: going, Wow, that kind of sucks. And that's really mm. kinda hard. And do you know what I'm thinking is I know that people listening are going to go but that that's the greatest privilege. And of course, there's going to be people listening who all they want is to carry a baby mm. or to be able to breastfeed a baby or both or either. And I just think two things can be true. Mm. Like I look back on that and I'm like doing those experiences are the greatest things I have ever ever done in my life but holy moly what a responsibility mm. and also what a burden at times mm. at the same times like sometimes i sit back and i think god i'm exhausted and then i'm like yeah in the past 6 years you've had three <laughs> hyperemesis <laughs> three hyperemesis pregnancies and you've breastfed for like the basically the other times that you're not pregnant like yeah. no <laughs> shit you're exhausted <laughs> <No> shit, <John. laughs> i mean so you've spent
2: about 27 months throwing up yeah like, really that's not good and I think coming back to like we don't necessarily I don't think there's any like fix all for this this is not a point of going okay these are the issues so these are all the things that we're going to do with our magic wand and make it all better but on the really yeah. hard days when you're sitting there going I just don't feel great just find that one thing and go oh yeah let's be real with myself here yeah, and go my body has done an amazing thing, but it also has also done a really hard thing. And I need to be a little bit kinder to myself today Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. this is just where it's at. And this is what I have done. And I just need to be a little bit nice. To myself.
1: And I think that needs to be said throughout that whole first year and then for the rest of your life. Mm. Because I recently, I get burnt out or into a seasonal depression, whatever I feel like calling it at the time mm. to soothe my anxiety. Developmental. It's developmental. That's 36. Developmental spurt. She's um, going through a leap. You are yeah, a I am. You're leaping. A gross spurt. all over It place. is actually a gross <laughs> spurt. But I feel like with this, I was sitting there reading my book and I was having downtime, which I never have. And I was by myself and I kind of looked up from my book and it struck me like what you did in the car to your husband. But I was like, if you think about being a mother for the first time and being, if you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, more so bottle feeding because of what you have to do Mm. to get that bottle bottle sterilized, the process mentally of what you were going through 24 seven 7 without a proper rest especially in those four months or let's fuck it let's say a year Mm. is incredible Mm. like I even think today and I don't have young babies but I look at what I do day in day out and that if we just even look at the motherhood portion not the business or the cleaner or the Mm. everything else we just look at the motherhood part that in itself in my brain is so overpowering and exhausting. And I think we all owe it to ourselves to slow the hell down and appreciate what we're doing every single day and what our bodies are doing. Because it is so much. And I I think this world is so fast paced that we actually, we just accept that doing this and going shopping with your baby and throwing the newborn in the car and, oh, we can do this, we can do it all. And, yeah, we can. We can actually do it all. But you need to appreciate that. It is a lot of work Mm. that we are actually doing and you need to appreciate yourself more for that. And it's hard to know because no one else is really telling you, especially around that time, how you're doing a wonderful job. Mm. Not that you need the pat on the back, but- No, you do. You do, you definitely do, but you also owe it to yourself. And if there's anything that I can say that I've learned over 10 years of parenting is you will never be more prouder of you loving yourself, you respecting yourself and you being proud of what you were doing every single day, mm. because then you don't rely on anyone else for that love mm. for yourself. Amen. hundred percent. And
2: I think that's a real learning process. A lot of people go through, as you say, in that first year and really beyond in parenthood. And it sometimes takes multiple children before you've reached that point of, going is taking a step back and giving yourself the space to step back and go, look at these incredible things that I've done. And it's not about talking about just all the really hard stuff. There are so many moments of joy that come with this age as well. I mean, your baby is just starting to really wake up to the world and four months is a real key time where they're far more responsive and they start to really look at you now and really pay attention to you and mimic you and this bond that you form with your baby around about four months, it just kind of skyrockets from that point for a lot of people as well. But it's just a really tricky time. And it's a tricky time navigating some of those relationships as well, because I hope for a world where women don't feel like it all falls on them. But at the moment, the majority of the work falls on mums in that first four
1: months. If we're talking about postnatal depression, Mm -hmm. I had it around the three-month mark. How do you know, what are some signs and symptoms of the difference of having postnatal depression to actually being genuinely exhausted, especially around this time? Yeah,
0: because I feel like uh, this was around this time that you Jade started asking me some questions and she's like... And I could tell she was almost doing a little, I can't remember what the questionnaire is called, she was doing a little questionnaire. (laughs) And I remember turning to you and going, I know what you're doing and thank you because I know that if things got worse, like you're watching, Mm. but it wasn't. But I'm like, I don't really know how to explain how I knew that it wasn't depression because gosh, there's a lot of overlapping symptoms. Mm.
2: Yes. And it's, it's a really complicated one because the way that anxiety and depression manifests between person to person can be very different things. And so what I speak to the parents and the women that I see in clinic about is two things. Generally, you're looking for symptoms and signs that have been over more of a prolonged period of time. So you might have a really rough day or maybe a rough weekend, for example. But then is your baseline of how you're feeling, is that lasting longer than seven days? And if that's the case, then it's definitely worth looking into more. Yeah. And the other thing is, is the way that I am currently feeling, is this affecting the way that I live my day-to-day life? And if the answer is yes, and if you think to yourself, yes, I am changing, I'm making different decisions based on how I feel. And this has been an ongoing theme now for over a week, maybe two, three weeks. Absolutely. The best place to go is your GP for a mental health treatment plan. As a maternal child health nurse in Victoria, we can see people as well. So I'm always saying to the women that I seek because the thing that really frustrates me, and you're going to get me on a rant. <laughs> go, we go love a rant. Go <laughs> go. Your
0: soapbox, here you go. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
2: I'm sorry, the thing that really I find very frustrating is a maternal child health nurse and someone who also navigated the system who ended up with severe postnatal depression and didn't tell anyone about it with my first baby was that in Victoria, you are screened at four weeks for, so you do an Edinburgh Postnatal depression screen, 10 questions about how you've been feeling over the last seven days. It's done at four weeks, mandatory. Everyone does it at that four week appointment. And then it's not raised again unless it is actually asked for or if the maternal child health nurse considers it necessary to do, which depending on the maternal child health nurse you get, some will do it more routinely than others. But I think that's a real fatal flaw in our system because it sends the message to people that if you are A-OK at four weeks, then you're going to be A-OK for the next 12 Mm. months. And it's just not right. And It's really frustrating As then someone who like after my first baby, we, for context, I had Millie in February of 2020. So we went into lockdown six weeks later and it was walked out of my six-week GP check and we were in our first lockdown in Melbourne um, two days later. And so I really had to navigate really poor mental health and it really reached a crisis point at eight months but I had no idea that this could be something that I feel or that I did the screen at four Hmm. weeks and I was like, well, I was fine then, so this mustn't
0: be it or this must be something that I'll just get over. Why is that done at four weeks? Because I feel like the vast majority of people I speak to who have or had postnatal depression or anxiety, like quite rarely do I hear the symptoms like being... That's that early.
2: It's very, it's based on very outdated. Evidence. And what we know in yeah. healthcare, and this is within the hospital system as well, is it takes around about 15 to 20 years for evidence to actually make its way into policy. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Which is why. So my grandkids yeah. are going to get some good stuff. They're going to, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. They're going to be right there, really, really good. well supported. But between yeah. now and then. Oh,
0: and I, yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that you went through mm. that because, and I imagine you are so not alone, you know, with the combination of lockdowns mm. and everything as well. But, that's so true. Like I feel like the last time a maternal child <laughs> health nurse was at my house would have been even earlier than four weeks. Yeah. Like, so I agree. Like, if I had have reached a crisis point, unless you're really self advocating, mm.
1: yeah. You, you're not seeing anyone. And that's and that's what I want to say. I'm actually very open with my feelings and I, especially with anxiety, I like to talk about it. So if I'm anxious, mm-hmm. everyone will know. But if you are not aware of that feeling or how, like a lot of people say to me when I talk about mental health, thank you for seeing speaking what I'm trying to, or what I'm feeling because I can't articulate it. And I think especially when you're in a new
0: phase like motherhood, where it's like, yeah, but like, I knew this was going to be hard. So of course I'm feeling like this hard, not realizing that it's something more more than that.
2: Absolutely. And it is something that can crop up at any point in that first 12 months. And really, I think that we're quite limited in our view the women that i see i absolutely see signs of postnatal depression beyond the 12 month mark yeah and yeah anecdotally i would say to you that 8 month mark and this might be something that, for another day um but that 8 month mark is a really crucial point in the first year of parenthood as well because i think that there. are are a lot of challenges in terms of the mental health aspect that women face at that eight-month mark, which like a whole lot of things feed into that. Well, should we get into it? Should we talk about the eight? Let's let's get into the eight. Absolutely. So, I mean, the things that absolutely come into that, I believe, increased risk of um, developing any sort of mental health concerns is just this hot mess of... A range of different factors. So generally between eight and 10 months, you have like sleep regression or brain progression that occurs in your baby. And then what that looks like is a dramatic change and shift in sleep behavior. And that can really cause a lot of issues for women if they are getting up all of a sudden, two, three, four, five times a night. We know that there is a relationship between broken sleep and your mental health. But then adding to that, it's not just that. It is the fact that at around about eight months, a lot of people are returning to paid work. And so it's the mental load of going, okay, I'm currently really tired. This has been going on now for eight months and I am having to split myself between The mum version who I've been working really hard to kind of come to terms with and understand how I fit into this world now as a mum. But then also now I'm going to be going back to work and entering the like adult world again. Yeah. And then the pressure of daycare and the pressure of relinquishing that control over... It's really tough. It's really hard for a lot of people to send their children to daycare because all of a sudden they just... Are having to put a lot of trust and faith into people that they don't know, and that's a that mm. adds a lot to your mental load. And then when we're thinking about what babies are acting like at eight months, a lot of them exhibit um, something called stranger awareness or stranger danger. Mm. Where I don't know if Pearl's been going through this recently. She's just recently been doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But it would be interesting to hear from you, Soph, about how you've felt navigating that stranger awareness because this is a peak time for really, really feeling very touched out.
0: I'm doing okay now. I feel like I'm doing the best I've done <laughs> oh, for a long Yay. time. Um, she had one full night's sleep. Uh, she fell randomly, slept through the night. And, no, no, no. And now now I just want to, it's like it, I, I've, I've seen the light and I want to get back there and I don't <laughs> think it'll happen again for a solid year. It's like you wake up and you're like, a whole new world. <laughs> no, I didn't even. We had a fair bit of time to make up for, I think. <laughs> but um, look, we've definitely noticed stranger danger. I am obviously in, I guess, somewhat of a different situation that Nick and I parent 50-50 and work 50-50. So I don't feel too touched out because she's totally fine with Nick. So I would find it really hard, especially the amount that I rely on Nick to be the other parent in the family, if she wouldn't go to him easily, but she does. And we have had a nanny one day a week while I... record and we've had that same nanny since she was very little and she's completely fine with her. But yes, I've noticed more with friends, even with family, she like takes a little bit, she'll like grab onto me as I'm going to pass her over. Sometimes she will completely crack it and then sometimes she'll just take that little bit longer. In terms of development, the thing I find the most challenging and has probably been challenging for maybe, so she's almost 10 months, Mm -hmm. and it's probably been the most challenging for the past two months, is the what do I do with her? Mm. So she's kind of like, she's not crawling. She's like scooching around, like she just slides along the ground, but she gets very frustrated very easily. She doesn't just like sit and play with a toy because she wants to be on the move, but then she moves somewhere and she's like, I don't want to be here. (laughs) And you're kind of like, you're not old enough for me to like play a game with you, but Mm. you're not young enough to sit and just play with something. But you're also not quite crawling but you're also not quite keeping yourself busy by cruising around. And I just end up holding her so much because mm. I'm just like, you're not happy on the ground. like, and I, Or I just put her in the high chair and feed her. And I'm like, you can't possibly be still hungry.
1: Yeah. See, I was a really touched out mum. I'm a yeah. very like affectionate person, but when it comes to this kind of stuff and someone, especially when a baby needs you all night or a toddler needs you all night and then they need you all day. And that eight month mark, I remember my first child, she was in that exact same situation where she was frustrated that she couldn't cruel yet? Is she was so close to doing things, but the frustration was so big. But I was just like, "You're a nightmare! Like <laughs> I can't handle. I cannot carry you. Like I can't. Yeah. I don't want you on me anymore." Mm. And it kind of led to me weaning, and I, I sort of mm. weaned all my kids around the eleven month mark because I'm like, oh, "I can't have you on me anymore. I'm mm. so touched out." Yeah, it's such a common, such a common experience,
2: and it just all feeds, it's these little things that really feed into this bigger feeling. And so going back to what I talk about with my safe end stuff and the maternal child health clinic is that I would call it the four month dip and the eight month drop, just because in my experience that drop around about eight months in terms of just how you're feeling about the broader picture as a result of these very small parts of the jigsaw puzzle can really start to, to weigh on you. And One other thing that I really find is it's a really interesting element of navigating parenthood really between that four to eight month mark is you are meeting your partner for the first time again, when you become Mm. a parent and navigating two different sets of expectations as to what parenthood and life with children look like can be quite challenging. And is not necessarily going to be this really seamless thing. So going back to what I was saying before about it being a stacks on, you've got this like sleep deprivation, you've got perhaps feeling touched out, having to go back to work. Also, that challenge of it's really easy to slip back into. And I don't know if you guys felt this way, but when I, especially when I had my first daughter. I was like, I feel like my mind's going back to like a 1970s mindset of I'm not bringing in money. So, therefore, I'm not contributing as much as I should be. And I don't know if you guys felt like this, but it definitely is a theme that I see in clinic where it's easy for us to go back and not see our worth as the work that we're doing as parents and as mothers as good as bringing in X amount of dollars.
0: I 100% felt worth. like that after Poppy. Mm. Yeah. And then you have this thing in the back of your head that's like, when are you going back? When are you going back? And it's like this countdown. And then you're thinking, when do I want to have another child? Is it worth going back between children? Is their name on a wait list? And then you start doing yeah. maths in your head and you're like, is it even worth sending them back? Am I even bringing in enough to make it worth sending them back? Which is a whole nother discussion about, it should be both of your
1: incomes going into the childcare, but it's just, yeah. And we say this a lot on the podcast, like, I don't think we could say it enough that when you were mentioning about having that new relationship, like you've gone from being, you know, girlfriend and boyfriend or partners and husband and wife to then parents, this is essentially an entirely new role that you're both taking on and Mm. you have to be kind to yourselves and understand that it's a new normal and we Mm. always talk about new normal but we kind of like to phrase new normal in a lot of senses when it's a first time for things so especially for that first whole year having a baby is a new normal be kind to yourself because you have no idea that this world Is going to change. Mm. Then you have your second baby. Oh, why is this so hard? Well, this is another new normal that not only you have to get used to, but another little kid has to get used to. And it's the same thing when you have, you become parents. Well, yeah, we may have been, we're like, we're good as husband and wife or partners, but. how how is this going to work? And that takes a lot of bickering. How come you're not breastfeeding? How come you're not getting up in the middle of the night? (laughs) Why don't you feed me breakfast? Because I'm doing all this. And it really takes a while to get that balance right. And it could take forever Mm. or it might not work at all. But that in itself is normal. Mm, absolutely. And I think that different couples do it at different paces. But one
2: thing that I really quite enjoy doing <laughs> at about eight weeks so, every maternal child health system within different states operates differently. So, just for a very quick rundown mm. in Victoria, if you have a baby born in Victoria, you should be entitled to 10 appointments between birth and three and a half years of age. Most happen in a clinic. The first one is a home visit. But we're lucky in Victoria where the system is quite robust and there are definitely things that I would change about it, but we are very lucky with the amount of times that we get to see women and it's not the case, unfortunately, in other states. So just as a bit of an overview. But we do have a eight-week appointment where if I do see both parents come into that appointment, I, in my mind, rub my hands together <laughs> because the second parent or the non-birthing parent I know is going to, we're going to be having chats, And the reason why we <laughs> have <them is laughs> And the reason I just like really, really slip it into conversation, I go, so have you had two hours without your baby? And a lot of the response is just this blank stare of like, no, like, well, I couldn't do that. My, oh, my partner's breastfeeding. So I can't do that because they can't go anywhere because what would I do if they need a feed? And I'm like, okay, well, at the end of the day, it's also your responsibility to build up confidence in yourself. To be able to really feel like you can care for this child by yourself because you are the second parent. You're not a babysitter. You are not someone who is just going to keep an eye on things while the other parent is gone. It's really important for a myriad of reasons, being, and I know self care gets thrown around here, there, and everywhere. And it's like, really, what is that? But how is a mum going to be able to really get a break if? she feels like she can't leave her child
0: with the second parent. And it is incredible in my Even more importantly, don't you as a second parent want a relationship with your child? Like even if you take the birthing parent and self-care and everything off the menu, do you not want a relationship with your child? But sometimes they're
1: too scared to ask and sometimes they don't know because mum's like, I've got all of this. So they kind of sit back and go, well, you just let me know when you need me, you know, the things, and I don't know the things. So I'm just going to let you do it. And
2: this, this lack of confidence just grows and grows and grows and grows. And what I really say to parents is that for the amount of months that your baby is, you should be able to look after them for at least that length of time in hours. So if you have a three month old baby, then both parents should be able to be solo with that child for three hours without any problems, no ifs, buts, and maybes, and if you don't feel like at the four-month mark that both parents or the second parent could confidently look after the baby for four hours by themselves, then this is something we need to actively work towards fixing, because it is so easy to use a lack of confidence as an excuse to not take the steps to then build that confidence.
0: Mm. It's
2: too easy. So how do we, how can we do that with our partner? I think starting the conversation early and really setting the scene and going, all right, it's really important to me that I'm just going to take an hour out. If you need to lay it out and they go, I don't know what I'm doing. Because another really common thing that I hear in maternal child health nursing is families coming to me and going, oh, Well, my partner wasn't really confident to make the bottles. They were happy to give the bottle, but they didn't really know how to make it. So I made the bottle and then I kind of did the stuff afterwards and they just gave the bottle. It's like, no, well, really, in effect, your mental load is being doubled there, not reduced. And it's the same thing with bath time. So if a partner needs their hand to be held while a baby is being bathed because they don't know what they're doing, now the other parent is standing there holding... Carrying the emotional load for this partner and making sure that they feel okay and confident in what they're doing. And then also making sure that the baby is being looked after and the steps are being
1: taken. I mean, that's all well and good at the start, but yeah. like to practice together. Time. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. But it's something that we really have to be it has to be front of mind. That communication with your partner really has to be front of mind right from their get-go. And being like, okay. What are the elements of this experience that we find really difficult and really daunting? And it will absolutely be that one of the parents goes, yeah, you know what? Like I feel really, you look like you're on top of it. You can settle them. I can't settle them. You can do the things you're able to put them down to bed so easily and I, I don't feel like I can do that. Okay, what what does this next week look like for us where we can make active steps towards you feeling more comfortable mm. and confident? Because
0: it is something that snowballs because it's one month worth of experience and then it's oh, two months worth yeah. of experiences. Mm, yeah. And each age, they're kind of, they're often bringing in another need. So if you, it is just something that kind of exponentially increases mm. until it feels like, it's too far, and I guess it's never too far, but
1: it is. It's sometimes, yeah, it, it does. It well, can really snowball. It ends up being too hard to hand it over and not eat. Mm. I keep saying it about kids. I mean, it's <laughs> <yes>, the <laughs> role oh, yes. and the load is it's like I may as well just do it because to teach you or ask you or go through all this, it's like, oh, I'll just I'll just do it. And I feel like too many things now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to say I wouldn't blame like my partner for that at the start, but I did take that responsibility that I'm happy to do it all. So whenever I would want to go out, like by whatever month with a girlfriend for dinner, I would have done absolutely everything, Mm -hmm. even put her to bed to go. There was no and then you wonder him why him to after do. you
0: don't feel any yeah. more relaxed yeah. or any less of a glow. Like but when
1: you start to realise that someone, one, is doing something for you to say you deserve to have a break, whatever that looks like, and I'm going to like – Yeah, I don't expect you to rock the baby the same way, feed the baby Mm. the same way, but you are as much as a parent as I am and they need to work out their own way of parenting because they're going to have it for the rest of their life. Yeah, and how much more strengthened is that
2: relationship when you really feel like the element of that teamwork that goes into having two people who are equally able to do the things and it is going to ebb and flow. Not yeah. everyone is born with breasts to breastfeed the baby, but you sure as hell can do a lot of other things around that experience. You can prepare the breastfeeding space. You can make sure that there is food there ready to go for the woman who is going to be doing the breastfeeding. Make sure the drink bottle is filled. Approach it in a team first attitude and then it's going to make that transition to then when you're looking after the baby by yourself, it's going to make it a lot
0: easier. And I think also remembering that every single person, like so every other family, for example, does Mm. everything slightly different. Mm. So not the two parents in the same family don't actually have to do things exactly the same. I know our kids sometimes Mm. make us feel like, oh, if you don't step the exact same way into the bedroom (laughs) and have that, you know, like that. But often if it's the other parent, or for example, if my mum comes and looks after them, it's a whole different routine and and, and they expect mm. different things and they don't expect it done the exact same mm. way because it's not the same person. So I feel like sometimes we can send ourselves into a spin thinking we're the only one who knows how to do it. But
1: it's like you're the only one who knows how to do it the way that you That's do exactly it. That's exactly right. And the blessing of them having a go, and this happened a lot when I had postnatal depression and, and had no option but to hand over that little bundle to my husband, what i learnt from him was mind-blowing he had this way of rocking her to sleep that I just didn't know like the way that he laid her on his arm his forearm he'd watch the footy and he would put her down the way that he had soothing mechanisms and different ways of doing I was like oh I'm gonna take that That makes sense yeah Yeah. why wasn't Mm. I doing that with the other two Mm. but it's like (laughs) allowing them the chance to do it and sadly it took me postnatal depression to actually stop being in control. But Hmm. if you can, if you're listening and you think that, you know, you want to have that bit of freedom and you want your partner to to be able to have that as well, then Absolutely, just watch them. But it's not just even freedom. It's that if you have two
0: parents in the family, yeah, it's not a. It's both. Not a it's, it's they're not doing you a favor, and I also hate that that I it's them that doing you mm. a favor. You're not asking for help. You're asking them to parent their child. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, you know, if, if you're the primary caregiver and they work outside the home, I'm not asking them to give them a bath at midday. I'm just saying when they're at home, they are also a parent to yeah. their children. Yeah. And I think that in the perfect world, this would be a
2: conversation that's actually had before. You have the baby. Yeah. And I think that this is why I love what I do in that preparation sense yeah. of going, these are conversations that you can actually have while you're still pregnant. And really understanding what how were you raised? What are your expectations of what, totally. you, what your parenthood experience in those first few months or years looks like? Because different cultures do things differently, mm. different, different upbringings will absolutely feed into what your own expectations
1: are of yourself as a parent and also what your partner is as a parent. But we're so focused on, oh, what's our baby looking like this month in terms yeah. of a cake or a and is the nursery
0: ready? And yeah, but these are <laughs> these are the real these are real yeah.
2: conversations that we go right. We have the time, space and energy to actually have this conversation now when we're not sleep deprived. And our mental load is actually at a point where we're excited and we're looking forward to the future. So let's actually talk about it.
0: And I think sometimes people get put off because you're so often told when you're pregnant, you have no idea what you're in for. Like you just you can't, you know, and, and, and often expectations are seen as bad. And we're not saying have this conversation and it's set in stone and it will be divided up by the hour and you can't change it. But it is more of that theoretical thing of like, how, how do you see this happening? Yeah, mm-hmm. what's your stance yeah. on this? And of course, those things can change when the baby's here and they're going to change. But I do think that, yeah, I mean, I wish I'd had these conversations when I was pregnant with Poppy. And
1: check in and refresh every time you have the fourth month developmental milestone mm. or you have the six month or the eight month. Have that that conversation. Just say, okay, we need to reshuffle a few things. This is getting either hard or or I'm not coping with this and having that communication before you start yelling at each other about, I mean, I laugh at this because some days mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, but <laughs> reality is if I actually listen to what I'm saying, it would, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be, it'd be heard a lot
0: Soon, I, Soon I, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It would be it would be an easier conversation to be. That's kind. what I was trying and, to say. <laughs> and this is really so. I also have a preparation pack for um, preparing for parenthood, and one of the three aspects of preparing your relationship I talk about, and this is as gimmicky as it gets, but is the three C's: being communication, connection, and compromise. And if we get communication, right, then the two will follow suit, but connection with one another as people and as parents, but making sure that you do the things to maintain that connection between yourselves as you move through parenthood so that you stay in touch. Not only, I'm not talking about just date days, look at the body language, look at the way that you are communicating with each other. How is that connection going? How is that intuition going within yourselves as a couple? Yeah. And then compromise being, what am I bringing into this in terms of our expectations? And my husband, bless his soul, loves golf and oh, it fucking took...
1: <laughs> so sick of the nine hour I'm going to find I'm playing golf and I'm just going to sit there and read my book in a buggy
2: well let me so, tell you we, maybe leave, we live on a golf course and okay. it's both a blessing and a curse but it also takes away travel time so I'm like okay with that but it had to be a conversation that we had and a very firm conversation around about the six month mark of I'm not okay really with you going and playing 18 holes of golf and having four and a half to six hours out when I'm just stuck in this house with the baby. Mm. Instead, what would that look like and how would we be able to move through parenthood if we actually had that conversation when I was still pregnant In going, okay, what are the big time spenders that we have at the moment? What are the things that really take us away and that could actually down the track potentially build resentment? Goal. Because that's what it's all about. We just don't, mm. we really the end goal is not resenting our partner. We want to feel like we're in a team with our partner, and not against them. And so, what are these things these things? So instead, the compromise that comes in is going okay. This is a really important element of your well being and your ability to care for yourself. So, how about just for the foreseeable future, and we'll revisit this at the four month mark or the six month mark. Yeah. Insert age here. How about nine holes instead of eighteen? And then that way he can leave the house. And I don't feel this burning resentment towards Mm. the fact that he's leaving. In fact, I can feel like we've had this conversation. It's been a really healthy dynamic where we've decided this together and vice versa for whatever I want to do and mm, the next right. time I come up with a three hour
0: hobby along those lines. <laughs> can <laughs> can you can let us know when t- t- you one because <laughs> I'm, really not, in, I'm really not interested in starting golf but I would love, <laughs> I I have love this running joke with full day hobby I have
1: this running joke with my friends that one day and we will do it we're just going to go out and hire a buggy and we're going to sit there with our clubs and we're just going to take some rosé and we're going to yep. just drive around <laughs> and have the best few hours of our life because (laughs) you will not hit a ball but it'll be fabulous yeah
2: we just want the vibe of golf we don't want actual golf no 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 for
1: sure we want the time of golf like
0: gosh I'm so glad my husband doesn't play golf and then my friends will be like so your husband fishes and goes hunting (laughs) and he goes hunting for like three nights at a time I'm like
1: there you go yeah True. That's your golf. I think it's actually necessary, and we need to go to the Bahamas for two weeks. And absolutely. That's my hobby. Yeah. Can I come? Yep, yep. We all just need it's a some, work trip. Someone give us the money a work and we'll be fine.
0: <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Tourism Bahamas.
2: <laughs> and it doesn't have to be this really grand scale thing of like going away for nights or even going and playing golf for hours on end. If you think to yourself, if you're sitting here and listening to this and going, I just feel like I want 20 minutes back in my day. And I feel like that would really help strengthen my relationship with my partner if they could take the load during insert 20 minutes here and it would actually give me a little bit of me time have a think about the activities that you're doing every day for example a bath and if you are currently the one doing the bath but your partner could very easily do the bath routinely then having that conversation going this is how I feel I want I really want just this really regular book it in make make a deliberate, Decision to try and get this amount of time in your day back, and going. I want to see, let's trial this for the next week or two. If you don't feel confident or comfortable with this, then I will be there for the first couple of nights. But again, coming back to the confidence building, this is something that I really want to feel like. It's important to me mm. that you feel comfortable doing this because I want to see you thriving in parenthood as well as much mm. as you want to thrive in parenthood, and so just the really small stuff. It can be these conversations and touching base.
0: And then a month later, what does this look like? How are we going? Well, thank you so much for chatting today. I feel like this has really brought up things that I was feeling that I've maybe not even known I was feeling along the way. Like I do really feel like I felt the four month and the eight month lull Mm. all three times. And I, yeah, I wasn't sure if everyone else was feeling it. So that's Fantastic. I'm so
2: glad. And that's the thing. It's about talking about these experiences. It's not necessarily doing anything about them. But if we can feel a little bit less alone in our own experiences, then that goes a long way as
1: well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on today. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you.